right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Appreciate you grabbing some time with us. Today, it's all about bringing a car back to life. We just had something come through the shop not too long ago, and man, it was one of those Mustangs that... You kind of, it's it's a love-hate relationship for me. Like, I, I appreciate Mustangs for all the competition and all the times they've, you know, handed me a, you know, a losing ticket before, a losing ET slip or time slip or whatever. Uh, you know, to me, these Mustangs, these Fox, Fox bodies, they were, they were nightmares for me growing up. Like, that was always the car I saw in the opposite lane where Mustangs and Fox bodies, they just make great little platforms, great little cars. And now you're seeing not only the guys that, you know, grabbed them back in the day and raced them, but you're seeing these cars be worth a lot of money and people, you know, try to get their hands on something original. And that's kind of what we had. It was a time capsule. It had been stored for like, what, 20, 25 years or something? Yeah, it hadn't been run in 20 years, just sitting in the garage. And it's cool, right next to it was like a 65 Mustang, too. You know, like, you can tell the guy was a Mustang fan, you know, but but this one, whatever happened to it, right? I mean, we've all been there. Uh, just stops working. You're like, all right, I'll, I'll get to it next weekend. Right. You know, next weekend turns into next month, turns into next year. And then, you know, more stuff's probably going wrong. It's, you know, eroding, corroding away. You know, the battery's now yeah. dead. It's like, oh, geez. Next thing you know, 20 years go by. Life goes by. Your kids grow up. And you're like, man, my car is just sitting there. <laughs> it hasn't run in two decades. Oh, forget it. That's too overwhelming. Now look at all of these dry rotted, the hoses. and Yeah. You know, it's just too overwhelming, man. It is, but... You see, these cars start to be worth a lot of money, and people that have them, that have held on to them, that haven't done anything with them or had them out back or stored away, they can, you know, find some some nice money and put the top down, go cruising in these things. There, there really has been a resurgence in bringing some of these older cars back to life. And one of the things that we have found in the shop is just the work to get it to fire off. Like even if you stored the vehicle and say it was, you know, something small, like an electrical problem or a starter or, you know, little issues, a water pump, something like that had a little leak in it. They'll cause a person to park the car. And then all of a sudden two decades goes by and they still haven't addressed the little increment problem that caused them to park it in the first place. And now there's a headache because it's got 15, 20 other problems on top of it. Yeah, it snowballs. I mean, they call it lot rot. You know, the less you use a vehicle, sometimes the worse it is, 
right? Keeping stuff moving, keeping it lubed, you know, and obviously you're, you're doing more maintenance when you're actually driving something than when it's sitting there. So you're changing the fluids, you're checking the coolant, you're making sure, you know, the pH is right. You got the right mix in there. You're not getting a lot of corrosion and all that stuff. So yeah, man, there's something about not using something that's almost worse than just using the dang thing, right? Right. It does feel that way. So you've got a uh, bringing a car back to life store. I got a really funny one, man, because you know me, I've got a lot of cars. And there's a lot of these cars that I've acquired over the years that haven't run, haven't been, you know, my favorite car, my Titan, the, my Dodge Charger that I will never get rid of. That car was sitting in a field. And, you know, I was driving a little 72 Seaver and I was going to do a hot rod with. It was the very first car when I got dimmer. I saw the front fender of that thing. It was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. There's a $70 charger. And it was like Christine, man. It was like four different colors. The the driver's side seat was mostly duct tape. Had a bunch of mice living in it. But I'm rolling up, knocking on the door like, hey, 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 hey. That old charger you got back there, man, I'll give you $300 and this running car for it. And the guy's like, you won't give me $300 and a running car for that? And I was like, yes, sir. He's like, I'll do that deal any day of the week, man. So I signed the papers. I worked on it for about two or three hours and, you know, drove that some bitch home. Now it leaked oil like a sieve. There was puddles underneath it. But at the same time, I had me a 70 Dodge Charger. Still got it to this day. So you look at, you know, things to get cars running that haven't been for a while. I bought a 1970 uh, Dodge Coronet. It was an RT edition. And this is one of the funnier builds that I've, uh, I've gotten <laughs> to bring back to life. I got this big block running in it, and it was spitting out mice and dog food. I had literally, you know, it had mice that had packed the exhaust system full of dog food. The car was parked by a wood pile, and the mice would steal dog food, and they would run it down the exhaust pipe. So literally, I got a hilarious video of us firing up the car, and it just blowing out pounds of dog food out the back of it. Just just blowing dog food for 40 minutes i mean it was incredible how much dog food was in it you got me beat with a dog food man i, I can't even live up to that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man who shoots it's dog crazy. food out their tailpipe willie b yeah yeah got me uh I, you know i got a good car out of it and my uh it's funny my 58 and a half dodge custom royal i got a really nice d500 you see it looks like a batman car kind of like a christine car that thing, man, when I first got it running, it was shooting mouse out of the exhaust of it. You know, it's just poop. I heard a little, what is that on the kitchen or on the cabinet door back there? Poop. You know, there was three or four little charcoal briquettes. I looked at them and they were just mice. So whether it's mice, dog food, whatever, get in your cars, they're hard to get bring back to life. I got to start looking at the back of the car because normally, you know, I'm looking under the dash and the glove box and everywhere inside <laughs> where they're making nests and whatnot. I never even thought about once I hit the gas pedal to look for nuggets in the backyard, you know? <laughs> it does happen, man. It happens. All right. Well, look, we got to take a break now. How to bring an old car to life. We're talking about it. And you can see a great episode of Two Guys Garage where we did just that on this old Mustang. More about that in just a minute. Quick break on the Two Guys Garage podcast. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie P. And hopefully, you're being good students and catching our show, Two Guys Garage, on Motor Trend. So on the show, there's cars that we get. We walk in and we're like, oh, man, can't wait to get our hands on that one. And there's cars that we see and we're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Uh-oh, clean up on aisle five waiting to happen. And that's kind of how we, you know, first saw this Mustang. We see them like, oh, 
this one looks a little rough. Well, come to find out, it wasn't rough. It had just been stored forever. Yeah, and talk about cleaning on all five. It was cleaning up on all five, six, seven, <laughs> <Yeah>. nine. <laughs> we skipped one, 11. Right. You know, it's like half the dang store, man. Uh, but, you know, yeah. it had solid bones and it had a lot of love and a lot of memories, right? Because this guy's been sitting on it for 20. I don't know how long he owned it before it had been sitting. So he probably had a lifetime of good times in this thing, right? Maybe it was his uh, girlfriend, yeah. now wife, or who knows. Uh, but, you know, solid bones. All the metals there, it's all solid. Yeah, the paint's patinaed, a lot of dry rotting stuff. But that stuff you can fix, right? And, uh, you know, what are some of the things that, that go wrong on an old car that's been sitting around for a while, right? I mean, a lot of times... Obviously, fuel. Yeah. yeah man. Fuel's the big one. I mean, it, you, you know, can just it, smell it. it. It just goes oh, wrong. God. And it's, it's everywhere, right? It's in the tank, up through the lines and the pumps, you know, whether it's in your carburetor or your fuel injection, right? That's an easy one that you got to go flush out, replace, or do whatever. You know, in this Mustang, we, we started looking at it, and it was pretty much as bad as you'd ever think of a fuel system. Because when we dropped the tank, dude, tell right. them about the tank, man. You drop that thing oh down, and as soon as you open it up, yeah, just the smell alone. It was unreal. I'd never seen a fuel tank have so much rust in it. When we pulled out, and you'll see this on the show, we pulled the fuel pump out of the fuel tank, and the line, the metal line of the fuel pump assembly was so rusted, it had a hole in it. Like the entire pump was just, there was so much degradation and you know pieces rusted and you could you know breathe on it and it would just flake apart and fall apart it was it was the worst tank i feel like i've ever seen in a car and i i feel like that's because it's a ford mustang but maybe i'm wrong <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just kidding but it was bad yeah it's nice on this vehicle because they made so many right 1984 mustang they made millions of these things throughout the years yeah. and the parts are so cheap and plentiful that in this case it's easy to just go buy a tank get the in-tank pump in it, right? Get all the right. connectors and whatnot that go in it. And, you know, two straps, right? You just drop two bolts, the straps come down, the yep. tank comes down. It's super easy, right? I mean, there's hardly any labor. So it's just buying the goody parts. Now, a lot of times you might have a vehicle that's more rare, right? It's got a super expensive tank. So then you got to yeah. think about, wow, do I restore this tank? And that that's a pretty good option to go. And I've done that many, many times, right? You can get tank yeah, sealers, man. right? So if your yep, tank's... Yep. You know, in decent shape, you can do a nice job. Now, you got to be careful because, you know, fumes and fuel are very flammable. So you could mm -hmm. have yourself a bomb. So be very careful, you know, what you're doing and know that the vapor in there is what's going to get you, you know? Yeah, man. But it, it, really, that's a, a great way to go if the tank's really expensive. We were fortunate, like Bird said, there's millions of them. So the tank costs us 119 bucks. But I have, I have this is an old trick my dad uh, told me one time, and it, and it actually works. I've taken pea gravel and some sand, yeah. right, and put it in the back of a pickup truck and just drive my normal 130, 150 miles a day, leave it in the back for a week or two, right? It's just shaking and vibrating around and moving around, man. It will clean that tank out. But, and you could, you know, do your hand um, irritating it and all that stuff. 
but really just busting all those particles loose, rinsing it out. And then there's these kits that you buy with different coatings, different, you know, types of uh, material that go in there and clean one's a base coat. And then you put, apply another coat that gives a, the inside of the fuel tank a nice smooth coating and shell so you don't get that corrosive, you know, stuff back in your fuel system. Yeah, you just put a liner in it basically, right? With a two-part yeah, mix. Yeah. You know, you pour it in and you roll it around the tank. Yep. You know, make sure all the surfaces are nice and coated. Dump out the rest, let it dry, and bam, you got a brand new fuel tank, at least on the inside, and then you can do whatever kind of yeah. coating you want on the outside. So great way to handle that part, right? And then when you start to move yourself forward, right, look at the lines. What kind of lines are there? The old steel lines, do they have salt corrosion on the outside? You just go ahead and replace them. In our case, we had kind of that semi-modern, you know, that sort of hard plastic lines that yeah. went up from front to rear, but they were in, you know, really good shape. They had good pliability to them, good flexibility to them. So with a good flush, man, we were good to go. You know, we had a mid-tank, or sorry, a mid-body yep. fuel pump. So that thing was also <laughs> rusted well, and wasted. solid. <laughs> so replacing that pump, we could get all the way up to the, you know, we had throttle body injections. So that, that got us all the way to the engine compartment, you know? Yeah, man, which is a great way to go. And then, you know, fuel is one of those things you address, especially when a car's been sitting. And a lot of times you'll just know, you know, you're pouring gas or maybe you have a little, you know, ether, starter fluid in there, just get the car to pop off. Because typically if a car runs, right, if it fires off, if it turns over, you can make it run 90% of the time, right? If you can turn the engine over via, you know, a big ratchet and socket, you know, chances are you can make it run. For me, man, this particular Mustang was kind of, you know, some issues with the tank and, you know, with the radiator, radiator was shot and a T-stat was just more corroded than I've ever seen a T-stat corrode in my entire life. But once we got those things handled, you know, she was kind of purring, man. It was cool to see that car come back to life. And I'm sure you've got cars where you've been out in the field and you've got to turn the engine over or at least pour some gas down the carburetor. If you can get it to cough, you can get it to run, you yeah, know? Yeah. Now there's one thing about, you know, being in the field and, uh, you know, just seeing if you got a, a good enough motor, you're going to make a deal like, okay, this is what the thing's worth. You know, maybe I can drive it up on my trailer or get it out of the yard. Yeah. You know, and then there's that step like we, we did on the Mustang of, you know, once you kind of validated that the thing has some good stuff to it, right? It's got, it's got the bones, it's going to work. Um, you know, then it's about going to that extra level of detail. Like you said, I mean, you can put some starter fluid in there to get it fired up, but you're not going to drive around the road like that for full time. So you, then you got to go no. through these steps. And the same thing with cooling. You know, you can fire up an engine for a few seconds, rev it up, vroom, vroom, shut it off before anything bad happens. But, yeah, you, you run a couple of minutes on a motor oof, without some good cooling in there, good yeah. flow. And, boy, you're going to start melting stuff or at least warping it. You're going to, you know, affect the heat treat, which then makes the metal soft, especially the aluminum, right? And then it, it'll never hold its position and its shape. So definitely want to make sure, like, on the cooling system. And like I said, we had a T-Stat that uh, it had all kinds of snot in there and boogers. And, oh, my you know, God. Like, it was, dude, it looked like just, you guys have all seen corrosion build up on, say, a battery where you get that gnarly green kind of, you know, teal-looking stuff. You're like, what is that? Imagine that type corrosion, but piled high, deep, and thick, all where the thermostat was. I mean, it was so corroded. Wait till you see it on the show. Like, it's one of those things, you take a just a flathead screwdriver, and you stick it in the mound of corrosion about two and a half, three inches, and you go, poof, and just a little bit of leverage, and you break off a whole cupcake of corrosion. <laughs> it's like, what? It literally was just like a big wad of frosting, but it's all stuff you don't want on your cupcake. 
yeah. Yeah. So between the T stat, right, and your and your radiator, uh, those are your, you know, kind of big choke points. Now it's hard to tell what's going on inside, right? Inside the cylinder head and the water jackets, inside the block. Um, but you can at least get to points that are or let's say more fragile, right? So the T stat, uh, you know, if it's on an iron manifold, you can get some galvanic corrosion. Uh, you know, your, your radiator is, is attached by hoses that typically have carbon in them. Those are good conductors. So, so you've got a, a galvanic battery on your radiator. You know, there's really fine, you know, exposed, typically aluminum in there that can corrode up. So at least if you got a cooling pack with a fan, your T-stat's opening up. So if you're running the thing long enough, you've got coolant flow through the engine. Yeah, and you know you're pretty safe. You know you, you, know you can kind of keep working on the thing without, you know, Oh, bleeping. Yeah. <laughs> something just overheated. I'm squirting coolant back out or I've uh, damaged something. Yeah, you know? and you'll see it on the show. Another thing just to watch out for, and we found this, man. Every time there's wiring, there's plastic clips. Um, those plastic clips, you know, you've seen it all over the years. They harden up. They're stupid brittle. And you try to pry something apart and bing, there goes the clip. You know, bing, there goes that. So just be really careful about busting apart any sort of electrical connections and things like that. Because like you said, they're going to they're gonna corrode over time and you're going to face some of that. So maybe a way to lube those up, try to get some, you know, just some a little slick, a little slickness in there so you could bust apart connections and, you know, for that matter, everything else. We When we got done with this Mustang, we popped the hood on it and it was like, oh boy. But to hear it run was like, oh boy. It was like, it's really a night and day difference that only is, a, you know, a few hours when you go at it, you know? Yeah, I mean, literally, you can go a couple of minutes and get something to fire up. In a couple of hours, yeah. you could maybe go f- drive around. Yeah, man, and it's the best. Get a old car that's, you know, hadn't seen the road. You know, all the dust and dirt comes through the vents as you get speed in it. You're like, <coughs> now we're moving, baby. Now we're moving, right? It's like, yeah, it's, it is kind of fun seeing an old car hit the road with dry rotted tires and a lot of worry at the wheel. Uh, but <laughs> when you get them out there, man, it is a blast. So let's take a break. Question for you, Bird. When we come back, what's a car that you saved, that you resurrected, that you brought back from the dead? Share that story with us. I'll share one as well. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B. Back after the break. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And today we're talking about resurrecting your ride. Saving cars from the scrapyard. A lot of people will store cars, and it's one of those things we've all seen them in the fields and yards. But like, hey man, you ever gonna let me buy that car? You ever gonna let me save that one? You know, you gonna sell that car? And they're like, no, I'm gonna do something with it one day. Well, you know, there's seven days in a week, and someday and one day ain't the name of any of them. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Have you saved? Have you saved any cars, man? Have you? brought a car back to life oh my whole life it's saving something right and it's it's going back to the same basic skills we're kind of talking about on this mustang right you can apply it to anything from you know lawnmower weed whacker snowblower right you find it on the curb just doesn't run the next thing you know you're going through them right you know not yeah. exciting and then yeah tons and tons of cars and vehicles uh i've got one right now that uh, i picked up kind of on a deal uh, you know, getting some parts from my fastback kind of came along with it so i've got a 65 mustang you know notchback Real nice, six-cylinder car, super clean, but it's been same thing, sitting around for probably a couple of decades. So, you know, a little bit of quick work, fire the thing up, you're like, yep, it'll run. Not very well right now, but... uh 
Is it a straight six? Yeah, straight six. Dude, you can't kill those engines, man. I know. I know. We had one uh, growing up. Me and my sister would swap back and forth, and it must have had close to 300,000 miles on it, man. You just yeah. couldn't kill it. Just go and go. But yeah, man, you get some uh, bad wiring, you get bad fuel, you get carburetor gummed up, whatever, and they're not going to run very well. But like you said, man, you go through the basics, getting the fuel system right, getting the delivery, clean the carburetor out just right, making sure it's got you know spark and fuel or spark and everything else, and voila, man, you know you go through yeah. the same maintenance problem, you know same maintenance steps. Now I, you know, talked about before the break, I've never shot mouse biscuits out my tailpipe <laughs> you, know, you got any other fun crazy stories like that well you know I, the the funniest one one of the cars i resurrected was my my 58 and a half and for years i got a car so i always wanted that car you guys go look at a you know 59 dodge custom royal d500 man it is slick it is mcnasty it's got a grill on it and eyebrows on it that just frown on you it's wicked it's a really sinister looking car i wanted one for years and i found out my neighbor had one and i've been over to shop same thing and he's like i got one of those over at my shop and i'm like no you don't because they didn't make a lot of them so i was like let's go over there right now i'd put a carburetor on his car so we go over to shop and and I hadn't seen this car. I've been to the shop 15, 20 times. And in the corner, piled high underneath, you know, a tricycle and boxes and, you know, pieces of furniture and a couple car covers was a, you know, 59 Dodge Custom Royal. And he goes, I'm not selling it, though. And I'm like, what? He goes, my brother's got one, same car, but it's in a million pieces. Maybe he'll sell his because his dad was a big, you know, Custom Royal fan. And he had two of them back in the day, he gave one each to a kid. So I called his brother. He sold it to me for 3500 bucks, And I got the car over to my house. And I wasn't planning on doing anything with it. And I put a battery in it, tried to turn the key. Nothing happened. And I'm like, well, it's just dead. I'm saving up money to get parts for it. Anyway, I won't worry about it. Three years later. <laughs> three years. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's I'm, how it works. Yeah. I, I got the car still in the garage because I'm saving up money. At this time, I got an engine ready for it. I got, you know... Uh, an interior guy for it. I got a couple things ready. I was saving money for paint and body work on it. And a buddy comes over and he goes, oh, craziest thing about the cars start, how they start, right? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, yeah, how those cars start. It's weird, isn't it? And I was like, well, what, what do you mean? Because <laughs> I, did, I didn't know. Well, I just got in and turned the key. It's a push-button transmission. And those old Chryslers, you turn the key to the on position and you push the neutral button in. Nobody ever told me that. So I went, huh. I put a battery in it. I freaking put it back up, turn the key, push the end button, right? And it goes, rrr, rrr, rrr. and I'm like, no way. And I said, hey, it was in the home garage. I pulled it over to my shop, which is, you know, 50 yards behind my house. And literally two or three hours later, we started that car. That's when it was shooting mice out the back of the exhaust. Because I, I didn't know. <laughs> Nobody had told me how to start the car. I didn't care because I knew I was going to replace the engine. I just wanted to fire the engine up and drive the original 361 just around the block a few times just to say I did. And sure enough, man, I did it. And then I, I put a 440 stroker in it, and it still has the push-button transmission and all that stuff, but I never knew how that car started. So do you still <laughs> you still kept the same procedure, so you still hit the neutral and fire it up today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You turn the key and hit the neutral, and that fires the car. Wow. So, yeah. 
I would have never guessed that. It's like finding a gas cap on a 57 Chevy or, you know, a 56. If you don't know where it is, you're going to have a hard time finding it. Oh, yeah. You know, if right. somebody didn't show you that, yeah. right, you're going to have a hard time locating it. Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? Well, I'm sure there's a few, you know, old-timers out there, that, you know, they've been around these cars. They're like, you guys are dummies. But, I mean, honestly, yeah. I would have thought, if anything, I would have hit P, you know? Park. Right. Park and start, <laughs> you know? Well, th- it, it has the weird part about it. On the push-button transmission, it P's not an option, right? It's got ne- reverse, neutral, drive, and then one and two. So it, it literally doesn't have park as an option. You put it in neutral, pull the emergency brake. That's how it stopped back in the day, which is crazy, huh. you know? And it, and it's all vacuum. It's a really intricate transmission. It's all run on vacuum. So those old school push button transmissions are really cool, really unique to find. And it's just... It, it's one of those weird anomalies back in Chrysler's. You know, this is the same company that put record players in cars right. from 1956 <laughs> through 58. So they had some issues. Because that's what you <laughs> want to listen to on a dirt road. <laughs> it's a record. <laughs> so you're telling me those don't have park. So you can't park anywhere. You pretty much have to use the emergency brake to keep the car from rolling down a hill? Yeah. Well, when you, yeah, when you put it in neutral and just pull the emergency brake, it, yeah, it always stays, stays put. You know, thank God, fingers crossed. But it, there's no, you know, there's no park option for the for the you know the buttons. You know, you, you basically have a a little lever that you slide over after you get it neutral. You slide this little lever over and then do the emergency brake. But it's it's a really cool car. Yeah, you know, I got a four door up there. I want to restore one day with the another push button in it. And same thing. It's got reverse, neutral, you know, D or three, and then a bottom one and two. So, you know, you want to take off in first gear, you just push the one and it goes into first and off you go. It's crazy. Nice. Well, if there's one piece of maintenance on that car that I advise you to do is take care of that emergency brake. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I do. Especially because you live up in the mountains, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Parked at grandma's on a big grade and, you know. Yeah, man. I got it in in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like that Mustang, a lot of cool cars from back in the day has so many weird oddball features that maybe back in the day you didn't appreciate. Like I give Mustangs a little bit of hell just because there's so many of them. All my friends had them, so I just grew up like that. But you know, you look at cars nowadays, right? Well, I saw a Maverick the other day. Man, when I was in high school, I would have never, I would have bet my my life savings, I would have never called a Maverick cool. But sure enough, I saw a Maverick the other day. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> You know, <laughs> some of these old cars, you appreciate the lines, just the, the engineering and the architecture behind them, uh, the simplicity of, of some of these things. You know, to be able to get in that Mustang and within a few hours have the thing fired off is, you know, that's pretty righteous. Oh, and, then, you know, because they're so cheap. And that's really why people, you know, they love them because they've spent so much time in them, but they spend bought them in the first place because they were so cheap they were so available right so it's kind of a yeah you know it's a it's a good and a bad it's a love and a hate you know you hate them because there's so many of them but you love them because there's so many of them and they're cheap and you could afford one and you can right. have some fun with it you know it's like and they're cheap parts for a couple of hundred bucks a couple hundred bucks you know in a couple hours boy that sucker is fired up and running now yeah. i wouldn't go anywhere on those tires <laughs> you know right right uh so tires you know maybe some brakes i'm sure the shocks are you know leaking fluid and dead but so there's another couple hundred bucks so there's 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 more in it but a couple hundred bucks a couple hours and that bad boy was humming 
You know, you bring up a good point. Something to always check when you're shopping around, you got a project, especially something like that where you find, uh, you know, is where it's been sitting for several decades. You can expect a few items, and some of the items get to be, you know, bigger ticket issues, but know you're going to have to put brakes on it. Brakes are one of those things. Brakes, brake fluid is highly corrosive. There's a big chance that, you know, a lot of things, either in the master cylinder, uh, the brakes themselves, the calibers are frozen, proportion valve gets locked up and full of gunk. It's always wise to address the brakes first off. Um, you know, obviously make sure the thing can turn over, uh, but make sure you can stop before you, you know, I fired up the engine, get that thing running and be like, oh, the brakes are adequate. Let me just go take it for a joyride. And you're out in the middle of nowhere with no brakes. So yeah, man, find a way to stop that thing too. That's as critical as moving it. (laughs) Yeah. And just an emergency brake is not enough brakes. Right. (laughs) Maybe to hold it on a driveway, but not, you know, barreling down the road going, woohoo. I haven't driven this thing in 20 years. This is awesome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I forgot to stop part of the program. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're going to address brakes, hoses, lines. You can see, you know, the good thing, especially when cars, when you find cars from the 80s, is a lot of them had some higher pressure lines. You can see right where the rubber meets the, you know, whatever it's, if it's stainless, if it's aluminum, right where they crimp that hose and that metal connection, that's typically where they're starting to leak at or you're going to find leaks. So look at that. Look at any, you know, fluids, gaskets. Obviously, you're going to have some valve cover leaks probably. Look at T-stat. Look for corrosion. Um, charging system, battery, wires, the bulk head you know all things that just kind of go over for sure tires you know a lot of tires have dry rot you won't see that until you get down there and get your face in it um looking between the tread pattern too a lot of dry rot happens there what other tips can you think about for people out there looking at projects and investments because nowadays man you know i don't care if it's five thousand or fifty thousand if it's a project you're buying it you know, you want to be able to get the most solid purchase for your money. And, you know, you could use them as leverage to get the, get it a little cheaper. Yeah, one of the things that, that kind of eats at you a little bit uh, sometimes is wiring, right? When you get old enough cars and the cool cars, you know, we just had American Auto Wire on one of our past episodes. And, you know, those guys make tons and tons of great stuff, you know, very specific for older cars and some generic harnesses. But when you're looking at like an 84 Mustang, right it's got fuel injection it's got very specific things uh you know some of that harness starts to look kind of old and weary Mm -hmm. and it falls in between being able to get new parts from a dealer right and the aftermarket stepping up to being able to replace them so there's sometimes some gaps in those years vehicles especially the oddball ones and wiring can just be one of those ones that just it just kind of sucks um but you know, you can kind of figure out, you can trace the, the key wires, at least for your basic functions. And then, yeah, maybe you're going to have an intermittent uh, blinker or a wiper and, you know, you'll have to trace that wire and splice it in, splice it out, whatever, uh, until the day that they make, you know, a harness. You can just bolt right in or, you know, string out and click right in. All the connectors are there and whatnot. Because, yeah, like you said, this connector ends get all kind of fragile and dry rotted. Dry and, yeah. Oof. But, you know, that that's one of the things that we deal with in life, right, is wiring harnesses. Um, you know, one of the things that we did on the Mustang, too, was we did go through uh, the ignition, right? So we Yeah, I was going to say, that's plugs. another thing to check out. Bring plug wires, plugs, sometimes yep. a distributor cap. That's uh, always good. You know, bring a fingernail file if it's a really old car so you could file down the points, you know, right. set the dwell, you know, get a, get a good hit there. You know, a, a lot of times... It's it's old stuff you would do on a tune-up, right? You're just, okay, you know, spark, 
plugs, wires, all this, you know, all these things, you could see how bad, and, you know, we pulled off one of those plug wires, you know, just like grabbed it and pulled it off. And the whole connection just remains on the spark plug. The wire comes off, but everything inside the wire is still in the plug. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you, um, right. Cause a lot of times it comes down to, uh, you know, gunk, buildup, dirt, debris, and the carburetor. Are you a carburetor guy? Are you a rebuilder guy? What, what do you do in these situations? Well, I, I'm a rebuilder. I love the Holly platform, the 4150 carburetor. I could rebuild that with my yeah. eyes closed. Um, those are typically the carburetor I tend to put on anything. If I get some of my old Mopars, they'll have, you know, different quadrajets, thermoquads on there, and this, that, and the other. I'm not really nearly as efficient with an Elderbrock carburetor as I am with a Holly. Um, just because Holly is what I cut my teeth on, it's what I race with. The Holly style, it could be, you know, it could be quick fuel, it could be demon, it could be whatever. But the Holly style is what I'm really, really super confident and comfortable with. So those I tend to just I could rebuild with my eyes closed. And those just for what they are, for archaic as they are, they're still really good performance you know, piece of equipment. You can put a carburetor on a car. I love fuel injection, but for me, for a guy, you know, spray some nitrous and have some hot rods like that, just the tunability to be, all right, let me adjust the, you know, idle circuit. Let me adjust the, you know, the bleed, set the floats and, you know, put her a little heavy on the fuel side when I'm running a lot of nitrous. Man, I I, I like them. I, I don't stray away from carburetors because they're carburetors. Um, I tend to like them, especially if they're the Holly design. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. Uh, and, and I spent so much time around the, the Holly, it's, you know, myself that, you know, you, you just know them, you, 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 you know the quirks, you know how everything works, and we can break one down, put it back together. It's like, this is my rifle, this is my gun, you know? Right. Uh, yep. But, you know, yep. I've done so many other carburetors that, you know, I feel a little more awkward when I'm doing it. But I'm kind of always referencing back to my Holly, like, okay, I know the circuit's here, it's got to be on this one somewhere. Where is it? You know, yeah. like... And kind of breaking it down, referencing my Holly, and uh, you know, and same principles maybe stripped down and simplified for again your lawnmower or snowblower or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's part of I don't know. It's the joys of getting something running again. And yes. there's something about a carburetor that um, one, it's awesome because if you can rebuild a carburetor, you can almost make anything work because everybody can do a spark plug and a wire. But not that many people can do an old school carburetor. So you can pick up yeah. anything and make it work. And uh, But I will say I've cheated a couple times. You know, like I got some bad gas. You know, it went through my snowblower a while back and, you know, gunk up the carburetor. And I'm like, you know, I wonder how much one of these little cheap suckers cost. And it was like 26 bucks. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to Amazon that sucker and save me an hour <laughs> soaking and hoping I blew out all the little holes. And, you know, sometimes they're, they're capped. So you really can't get the, you know, the error or the water to blow out all the different ports. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but I'm certainly not going to throw away a good Holly cause I don't want to rebuild it. You know? Yeah. I'll throw hey, I'll throw away a good Elderbrock every day of the week and put a Holly on it. I'm just, you know, and, and there's nothing against those carburetors. I'm just terrible at rebuilding them. I just don't take the time. I'm like, I'm like, ah, I got a Holly somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I've got, I've done a few Rochester's and, uh, you know, I got some buddies that, you know, they've always had them on their cars and they're like, Oh, spread bore that's the way to go man i love these things and boy they can tune them in dial them in just as good if not better than a holly you know yeah. but it's kind of what you know sort of thing right yeah the old mopar drag racers will tell you oh there's not a better carburetor than the old thermocard you can't beat that go 1100 cfms man just fix that thing blah, blah, blah. and you're going nah 
put a holly on it. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Let's call it a wrap. This is Two Guys Garage Podcast. Make sure you check out our show, man. It is Aaron Weekends on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Throw a fit if it's not on there. Episodes also uh, now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand, which is a great way and a great resource to find us. Um, thanks to my man Kevin Berger, producer Scoop, and our executive producer Bob Becker. And definitely check out the Two Guys Show to see this Mustang we're talking about. You will not believe how bad the fuel pump was inside the tank. You have never seen things so rusted and busted. Like, never. Never. My fourth grade English teacher is the closest thing to it. You'll be ready to take your little toolbox, your battery, and your starter fluid and go out to any field and get something fired up and get yourself fired up for what you did, right? And move that project along. There you go, man. So. All right, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com, for all kinds of great resources, video clips, you name it, automotive world. Share your thoughts with us on social. We're everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2020 Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. There you go. All right, get them old rods fired up, man. Burn rubber, baby. (laughs) We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage Podcast. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.